the end of the night and the kids are in bed you turn to your wife but she won't give you hope you look to your itunes and what do you find a podcast that should help pass the time it's swing and miss you won't learn a thing you'll probably get pissed oh it's Away and swing and miss. Welcome back. It's been too long again. Uh, I'm alone again, but it's okay. Uh, I'm not going to waste anybody's time too long, but there's some interesting topics I'd like to discuss. Plus, we got the AL East preview. The big division. We're going to start with our previews tonight, and I intend to go through the month of February, the other five divisions. That's correct. So, but we're going to start with the big dogs, the ones that were kind of underrated last year, but uh, actually showed up to the occasion uh, pr- pretty significantly. Yankees had a good team. See where they ranked tonight. Red Sox were pretty terrible. Orioles really competed toward the end there. Uh, They were in the running. And you had Toronto, who ran away. Tampa, middle of the pack. But this year, I think we're going to see a much stronger division. Uh, definitely a higher floor. Uh, team like Toronto could conceive could conceivably be predicted to place last in the division after dominating last year. Um, the swings are pretty phenomenal, so we'll we'll talk about that. We'll go through what each team did in the off season thus far. But you know, a few things since. There was a one thing I'm fascinated by is is the commissioner's office in in baseball and and when uh, when Manfred came on uh, he you know, he very quickly uh, had an, manif- uh, produced an identity uh, he he told you kind of where he stood. Um, he told you what he was going to do, and, and then he seems to be concluding some of those things. Like, I'm going to think about it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back with an answer. Um, but there's some things that he's, he's just wanted to do already, um, and right off the bat. And so he's making a lot of changes. He's definitely taking baseball to a, to a new level from a business standpoint. Um, and, and some of that can be tough because growing up playing baseball, loving the tradition of baseball, it, you you never, you kind of want to hold on to those 
parts of the game and, and don't want to, them to change those imperfections. Um, it, you don't want it to be too shiny. It's about grit. You know, it's about getting dirty. It's about being able to be successful at a game not purely based off athletic talent. Um, you know, it, it can be work ethic. It can be grit. Um, usually has to be both if you don't have the athletic tools. So when, you know, Man, Manfred trying to bring MLB into a modern era, um, at the same time, not tarnishing some of these traditions that we value and, and that make the game what it is, uh, is, is I think a difficult, it's a difficult task, but, um, you know, so far, I think it's interesting how he's approached it. Uh, I've so far pretty much agreed with a lot of what he's done. Um, I think he needs to get the draft under control, and then he's really he's really um, cemented himself very quickly. He would have um, as as probably one of the great commissioners. But uh, Jerry Krasnick had an article on ESPN. Manfred's top five priorities for the season, for the year, 2016. Um, he sat down. Carl Ravitch and Sunday conversation up there on the website. But I thought it'd be interesting to go and typically uh, through, through these five priorities. And typically you would go five, start at five and you would go down to one and you'd end at one. Um <clears throat> but sometimes maybe the, the writer wants to use the first one first and then go to the fifth. And that's what Jerry did here. But I find it interesting because I, I maybe think that this list really is starting with five and going down to one. But um, we'll see what the audience thinks. So youth, youth outreach, number one. That is the number one priority for Rob Manford this year. Youth Outreach. <clears throat> now, I <clears throat> my introduction seemed to suppose that he, he was a businessman. He was looking at making money, but he starts out with youth outreach, and and you know if if you have outreach in youth, those people will become older one day and spawn more children. And who will also be interested in baseball and and spending money investing in the MLB product. So from a long-term perspective, it kind of does make sense for youth outreach to be the number one priority for Rob Manfred. And he says, we need to make sure we capture the next generation of fans in a way that baseball has always captured fans me that's about parents and grandparents taking kids to the park in an early age so they learn to appreciate the game and the bonding experience that takes place when a young person goes to an outing like that with a meaningful adult in their lives so i mean that is part of you if you don't grow up with the game it's i have no empirical evidence on this but i would i, I would think that it's easier to win over somebody as a football, American football fan 
you know, as someone who hadn't watched it before or played it, you know, as an adult than it would be for baseball. No, I don't, I don't know if it would be close. I think football is easy to access. It doesn't require um, a lot of knowledge to, to, get excited about plays in the game and why, why they might be important. It, it, it's literal. It's very apparent. Typically I'm not saying there aren't plays that are nuanced and beyond a novice spectator, but for the most part, you can get excited about plays in the game. If a quarterback gets sacked, if a, if a wide receiver catches a touchdown. Um, so baseball just takes a little bit, more understanding and, and experience to appreciate it. And so it definitely takes discipline and a lot of times it takes parental attention, you know, not just a parent, but, but really a parent working with the kid, you know, unlike maybe some other sports where the parent doesn't necessarily need to work with the kid as much for the kid to be good. You know, it, it it's rare. They, they, they existed, but it was rare for a baseball player to be good, especially if he didn't have the athletic tools without a parent who was involved in his baseball uh, regimen. So youth outreach. So I commend, if that's truly number one, I really commend um, Mr. Manfred. I, I think, uh, you know, it's not a short term, but it's, uh, but, uh, but it's consistent with the way, with the domestic violence thing that they came out with smartly be interesting to see what he does with Jose Reyes and Aroldis Chapman. I'm reading Chapman's not maybe going to face much, but Reyes maybe going to face something serious. So, um, you know, who, who knows? It's going to be interesting how he it treats them, how he can justify treating them differently. Um, I mean, I guess some of the allegations against Chapman maybe are not, uh, you know, being asserted anymore. I'm not sure the girlfriend saying, oh, we heard eight shots. Oh, no shots. One shot. So, Reyes, um, I think it's more trouble with the court system. He's got some real shit up against him. So, that's the kind of stuff that tracks from where the money is and the money's in family. So, players want to get paid. They're going to good citizens and and then it's it's good it's good i've now convinced myself that maybe phyllis should be one and how it is so two is embracing technology um they're you know making replay better and great i'm for that is one of the top five priorities it, it doesn't need to be number one and it, it, it probably shouldn't be number five so I'm, I'm fine with that pace of play boring i mean we it's um, I mean, I, they made a pretty significant improvement last year. I don't need. I don't think we need continued drastic changes. I I get we need to the outreach to youth. Yes, fine. But if you understand the game, the pace of play is not going to be the most important thing. It should be. It should have something should have been done. And I think they show that they made a good progress. I think if they hit that rate again or drop a little bit more then they should just stay with that and just kind of 
how the umpires make it more of a behavioral change than instituting clocks. I don't want to see a pitch clock. They tested it in the Arizona Fall League, and it's going to be uh, in some of the minor leagues this season. So, um, But I guess to say consistent, he said he wanted to even tighten down time between half-inning breaks more. So that cuts down on advertising revenue, I would assume. So if he's willing to take it out of his own pocket, again, this is all true, then, then okay. Well, he said he heard some people saying they feel better because the pace is better. So, yeah, maybe. I kind of like the laziness. You can drink more beers. The game like kind of lingers on much nicer. Okay, strengthening player relations, uh, you know, kind of goes along with the youth outreach and the coming hard down on drugs and domestic violence and cheating and, you know, not letting Pete Rose really back into the game. Probably pretty smart. Um, so, you know, you have to have iconic people. That's That's what made the game great certain periods of time um you need characters in certain ways but you know he holds obviously Derek Jeter in the highest esteem those are the type of people I guess but um you know they need to do that great that's that's number four but this one number five a more unified business operation um he's making more jobs there's more money, there's more things to be managed, there's more business to be made. Can you make business? Can you make the business? So they're aligning all their businesses and they're becoming one, one platform, kind of probably part of that technology. Um, but I, I love this. You know, Everything was we designed, we've done was designed to make baseball one business. He said, whether you're dealing with MLB Advanced Media, MLB Network, or 245 Park, which is where the commissioner's office is, <clears throat> we are one organization. There's one-stop shopping. Whatever platform you want to be on, come to one place, and we're prepared to serve you, and we're open for business. So that word business, good stuff. All right, when we come back. Ailey's preview. All right, AL East preview in the house. Speaking of recent news, though, John Segura was traded. Tyler Wagner from the Brewers, Chase Anderson, Aaron Hill, San Diaz. Um, <clears throat> I don't know much, but all I know is that uh, Jean Segura is, uh, 
I, that seems like a sell low to me. I mean, even a year ago, and of course, two years ago, you're not going to know that he was a he was a fairly highly talented touted prospect. Um, believe he was in the the Granky trade um, to the Angels from the Brewers, and then. He um he now joins Granky in in Arizona. So, uh, new start kind of hurts my middle infield position, in my dynasty team because I had Chris Owings, roster resource, showing Segura at second, uh, and Nick Ahmed at short. Of course, if Segura would play short, I think Owings would play second because Ahmed just I don't know if he has the bat to to. Be, Play, make it worth playing second. Um, but Owings is is just man, take a walk, dude. Just take just take a couple walks once in a while. So starting off with the ALE's preview. Baltimore Orioles. Team that kind of fought toward the end. They're the Pittsburgh Pirates of the American League. Um, they just didn't, they don't quite do enough. They don't quite give up enough. Um, they give up a really good pitching prospect. Um, and they came back with, uh, you know, Andrew Miller two years ago, but I mean, that, that just seemed weird to me. They, uh, they they came in. They traded for for Mark Trumbo. That's kind of how they started off the year. Um, after actually getting Matt Weeters, actually technically Matt Weeters, accepting the qualifying offer. That 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 was I think that was interesting. I mean Ian Kennedy not accepting it, but Matt Weeters accepting it. Fascinating. Uh, Weeters thinks as a catcher, his value is going to go up with another year. Um, I'm not quite so sure about that. And as a hitter, I'm not quite sure how much more he's going to go up. But um, maybe they saw a better market where there's not as much um, or as many other high commodities like there were this year, like the David Prices. So, and the Zach Grankies. So they get Weeders, one-year contract. I think the Orioles are probably fine with that. Mark Trumbo, that right-handed power kind of comes in. So probably a good fit for that ballpark. They re-signed Darren O'Day, uh, four-year deal, uh, $31 million. Okay, that's really, yeah, that's not bad. Um, Hyunsu Kim, I like that signing. I think that's an interesting... I mean, the Orioles, I mean, this is the type of signing they're going to do because it doesn't cost a ton of money. Uh, and we'll get to what did cost a ton of money. But they, they get Hyunsoo Kim, two years, $7 million. Um, I like the experiment. But then they finally nailed Chris Davis, seven years, $161 million. Um, Scott Boris does it again. It's actually, some of it's deferred for quite a long time. Uh, actual value, retail prices. $148 million. So congratulations, Chris. Um, wow. Yeah. So to me, 
Davis definitely changes the game. They, uh, I like Kim's potential, and they, the bullpen's really nice. Uh, Trumbo kind of steps in there as the Steve Pierce was two years ago. So they're a team that can go. Um, they need Dylan Bundy to step up, or they, they need st- uh, Kevin Gaussman to step up. Um, Abaldo Jimenez, Michael, uh, Miguel Gonzalez, uh, these guys are not um, going to lead the team. So they're going to have to rely on young pitching. Uh, and, and they lost Wei and Chen. So that, that hurts a lot to me. I guess I got to go with the Orioles. Um, they're probably my fifth team. They're probably number five for me. So going in alphabetical order, Boston Red Sox. Now Boston Red Sox, the projection systems are looking pretty good. They got, um, I think, baseball prospectus has them in the 95 area uh, because they signed Chris Young, the first signing. Uh, After him, they signed David Price. And then now they're a different team because they have an ace. Uh, Right before that, they traded for Craig Kimbrell. So that was uh, interesting. Uh, I thought that was a little Jonathan Papelbonish in the sense that you need to give up a lot of resources to get a veteran closer who is showing declining stuff. And, you know, granted, Papelbon's actually, you know, I don't know if he's beaten the contract, but he's probably lived up to the contract, you know, with the numbers. I'm not saying the clubhouse boost. So, you know, what's Kimbrough? Is he going to age well? Is he going to learn how to pitch? This stuff always seems a little straight to me. Um, but then again, Pavel Bonds look kind of straight too. So anyway, Carson Smith, another nice little trade piece they got. Uh, yeah, so really like the move there. And and they Dave Dombrowski just he went he finished all his stuff real early. Um, everybody else they got on a, after the Carson Smith trade on December seventh, they were pretty much done. Signing guys to minor league contracts and spring training invites. So I like the uh, Red Sox. I don't know if I like them number one. I think I'm going to like them number two. And the team I think that I like number one, as much as I hate to say it, are your New York Yankees. New York Yankees, I thought had a really nice offseason. <clears throat> Trade for Starling Castro, kind of fill that second base with a, I think it'll, have, it'll be average, maybe slightly above average. Um, could they have gotten it done with Ref Snyder and, and may, maybe in a platoon there? Yeah, maybe. But the gem of the offseason was Araldis Chapman. So they basically have a super bullpen. And the KC theory, the new money ball has come into effect. I'm gonna, I love calling it the new money ball. That's gonna be that's gonna be such an awesome phrase going forward. People are gonna love it. 
I wonder if there's a hashtag out there yet. Let me not definitely getting started tonight. Aroldis, Dylan, and Andrew. You kidding me? Hashtag new moneyball. Sorry, this is interesting. Going to look for new hashtags. New money. New money ball. Yeah. Russell Carlton has the last top tweet from November 11th. Veterans Day. And the last one. Ah, oh, Russell Carlton already coined this. He's good. Let me. He's got 3,700 followers, 845 following. That's an okay ratio. Better than mine. Yeah, there's a lot of people saying new money ball. Okay. Did the shameless self promotion? Did the Royals discover the new money ball in contact percentage? Well, I was using it for bullpen, but anyway, new money ball and lots of things. So can't claim that, but I did come up with it without knowing that it existed. So it counts for very little as well. Not much else done uh, after the Chapman trade, and I think I, I think it's going to be fine. I think. <clears throat> Oh, they had they also traded for Aaron Hicks, so you know, nice little nice little outfield piece. Had kind of nice little season there. Yeah, there's a good guy. So I got I think I got the Yankees number one, but it's gonna be close. I'm not saying it's not gonna be close. And another team that could be close is your Tampa Bay Rays. They trade Nice little trade with Seattle. Brad Miller, Logan Morris, and Danny Farquhar. Definitely went for some bats. But, I mean, they got um, their shortstop. They got a relief, you know, mid to late inning relief pitcher. So, they uh, also traded for Hank Conger. So, you know, strengthened the, the catching part there. Although I think uh, Kurt Casale is going to be the starter. Conger is going to play for sure. Um, Steve Pierce on a one-year deal. Extended Logan Forsythe. A couple years. Nice little player. Man, under two years, $10 million. Definitely worth more than that. It's crazy. And then they uh, just recently traded for Corey Dickerson. So uh, a lot of people don't like this trade. I see where they're coming from, but Tampa's a big field, and the thing about Dickerson is he is a line drive hitter. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to hit 25 homers or anything, but I think he's going to hit for a high average. Uh, I think this guy can still hit close to 300. Um, you know, 285, 290, I think that's a that's a real possibility. Um, you know, 15 home runs. Um, and you know, just depending how they get on base, I think he'll he'll get he'll be solid. I think he'll platoon. I think they're gonna you know against lefties. He probably 
You probably won't play much. But um, that's okay. Tampa can be a platoon team. That's that's I'm okay with that. I'll allow it. So Tampa, I'm gonna I'm gonna put in I'm gonna put in third place because I really like their rotation. Uh, I really like uh, their home field advantage. Um, they kind of have some veterans in there cemented, like the Logan Forsythe. Uh, it's a shame we have to you have to lose a guy like Zobris, but um, Longoria. Uh, you know, you get a Logan Morrison on the team, they get, and you know, just the veteran piece of it is is good. And they got a wonder out there in center field, and Kevin Kiermaier, he's going to track down everything, uh, and maybe he can take another step forward offensively. But that's a team that I I, I like. I think they're going to do all right. So, last but not least, who would I would have finishing fourth? are the Toronto Blue Jays. The last move made by Alex Anthopoulos was on October 19th where he had a waiver claim for Pat Bendit. And that's great. I love that. That's a great acquisition to go out on. Now he's one of six GMs in Los Angeles. So, picked up some options and some old guys. Actually, Resigned Marco Estrada for twenty six million. Uh, traded for Jesse Chavez, so just medi- mediocre arms all over the place. Um, although Marco Estrada, he you know I I kind of always like him. He's been sneaky. Um, so I think they got a good deal there. Maybe a better deal than they got with Jay Happ, uh, who they signed for three years, six, thirty six million. Um. I think it looks worse than it is, but that's a tough one, I think, to swallow. Um, but he came off really nice in there with Pittsburgh, but that, I just I just don't know. He was in, so, but they know him, they've had him, so they, they you know, I think that the way baseball inflation goes, actually by year two or three, this, this could actually look pretty good, especially if he has a good year this year. But if he eats innings, that's good. What to tell me? What to tell me? And uh, not much else. I don't know if they had much ability to, to trade for Drew Storen. And uh, that'll strengthen that bullpen. So whether Robert Roberto Osuna will come back to the rotation at some point or how they're going to do that, that probably should listen to somebody with more knowledge about that. And you'll know. So, Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, Blue Jays, Orioles. Real tight. I could even see the Orioles 79, 80 wins, and the winner winning like 89 games, 90 games. So, shout-outs tonight go to the top 10... DH only players of fantasy 2016. So the top ten DH only that means that they can they are not eligible for any other position but DH. And 
mean, this is a great list. Um, number one, Prince Fielder. Prince Fielder. Uh, now, this is ESPN Fantasy Rankings. If you know anything about ESPN Fantasy Rankings, you need 20 games uh, the prior season to have eligibility in most cases. Uh, for young players who don't play the whole season, they get they kind of just have to get the position they played the most or what they maybe even think they'll play. But um, Prince Fielder only played 18 games at first base last year, so he is the number one DH only. Um, and he might get first base eligibility because if he plays 18 again, you know, he'll get it. When he gets the 10th first base game, he'll get first base eligibility. He just won't continue it unless he gets 20. Uh, Miguel Sano is number two. He's going to be DH only 22, and he's, all, he's, he's DH only. Um, so I don't know how much he's going to play where, maybe some in the outfield, but he may be playing DH this year. Um, that's just crazy that a player comes up just by, I mean, even Edgar Martinez, Martinez came up playing, um, sorry about that, even Edgar Martinez came up playing third base, you know, David Ortiz playing first base, who is number three, David Ortiz, uh, nothing much to say about him, long time DH, Kendris Morales, number four, uh, yeah, he can't play first at all. Evan Gaddis, man, he was a catcher just a few years ago, and he is your fifth, number five, DH. Another catcher, not, uh, but just a year ago, Victor Martinez uh, had a pretty bad year after an amazing year. Um, and then behind him, actually, interestingly, not a lot of respect here. Alex Rodriguez, he will be DH only in 2016. Number seven, guy had a monster year. Number eight, Mr. Billy Butler. Oh, man, if you invested in him, which a guy did in our fantasy league, dynasty league, it's it's not looking good. Number nine, who will likely lose his DH eligibility at some time soon in the season, John Jaso, who will be playing for Pittsburgh. So he will get first base time. But he will be DH for you know, the first month or so. And number 10, a guy who is probably not going to start in the major leagues, but will come up as a DH only? I don't know. I think he might get catcher, but um, but maybe not. It's uh, Gary Sanchez. Yes, it's a New York Yankee. So there's your top 10. you got to have a shout-out to the top 10 DH only players in fantasy 2016. Peace out, brothers. One, two, three. Thank you.